the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and welcome to the Marketing Forward Movement, where marketing, communications, and tech are finally playing on the same team and making healthcare all about consumers and innovation. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you are going to be one of the ones leading meaningful change. We have no choice but to move forward, and we need your help to evolve, accelerate, and shift the way that healthcare is experienced. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Shift.Health YouTube channel, go do it today and you'll have access to our latest video chat series called The Resilience Journey. This series was created for everyone who's struggling with an unexpected job change, a derailed career plan, or unfulfilling work. You can join me as I uncover the unexpected moments in the career journeys of admirable leaders by digging into the moments in their careers that we don't often hear about. Episode 4 features Robin Farman Farmian and speaks about overcoming gender bias and using thought leadership to gain the credibility that you've always deserved. It's free and available on demand at shift.health, so go subscribe on YouTube today. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about asking the right questions. Then we've got Aaron Watkins in the house to fill us in on how his team at Johns Hopkins Medicine is weathering the storm. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. It's tough to find the right answers when you ask the wrong questions. In the last few weeks, we've talked about giving yourself space to innovate, training your minds to start thinking differently, and reimagining the healthcare marketing role. We rarely have opportunities like this to take several steps back, look at the big picture of what we're doing, and remove obstacles once and for all that have always stood in the way. These are all great things to do as long as they don't lead us back to the same exact place we're in now. And that might happen if we keep asking the same questions. My colleagues Paul Zablowski and John Marzano have essentially coined the phrase, I can't help you do the wrong things more efficiently. Here are some examples of questions that can be changed to lead us to the right answers. One, instead of asking, how can I get approval for a bigger budget? The right question to ask is, how can I demonstrate the projected ROI of this marketing investment? Two, instead of asking, how can we advertise in more places? The right question to ask is, how do we gain more brand affinity, not just brand awareness? Three, instead of asking, how can we get this done before IT notices? The right question to ask is what departments besides marketing need to be aligned with this for it to be effective? And how do we develop shared goals with those teams? Four, instead of asking, how do I convince people that my gut feeling about our branding is right? The right question is, what does our data tell us that consumers actually care about? And how has it changed since the last time we looked at it? Five, instead of asking, how will this one new technology solve all of our problems? The right question is, 
what customer need needs to be solved the most, followed by what does the experience need to look like, and what point solutions need to work together backstage. On this week's episode of the Combustion Chronicles podcast, hosts Sean Nason and Michael Harper were speaking with Sean Slavinsky, the former SVP and president of health and wellness for Walmart, who was responsible for opening the first Walmart health clinics. After discussing parts of his vision for the future of healthcare, Slavinsky was asked how we get there. In other words, what do healthcare leaders, influencers, and consumers need to do to get this moving forward? He responded by saying that whenever he has that conversation, he'll stop the person from talking about the future for a moment, and he'll say, let's actually look at the customer and what the real need is. Not what your need is as the company trying to sell them something or provide them something, but what's the real need of the customer? Let's get to the root of that. I can't think of a better question to ask than what's the real need of the customer? If you don't like the answers you're getting, let's start asking new questions. There may never be a better time than now. And that's the Flava of the Week. Hey, I've got Aaron Watkins in the house. Uh, Aaron is the Senior Director of Internet Strategy for Johns Hopkins Medicine. In other words, he's kind of a big deal, not going to lie. And also a personal friend. I've just enjoyed being being friends with Aaron and, and getting to know him over the years. Uh, Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm fortunate to have you as a friend. Thanks for... Uh bringing me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you're just saying that because I, you know, I've got you on the podcast, uh, but I appreciate it. You know, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's great. It, it really is. It's great to keep in touch, you know, kind of as the, as the background of, of all these conversations we have, whether it's podcast, whether it's these video series and anytime or, or the thing we don't get to do this year, which is being in person, bumping into you in the hallways or catching a session right. of yours at HCIC it's great to keep in touch. We have such a tight knit community and it's got this family reunion feel to it. So we're not gonna be able to do HCIC in person this year. I'm, I'm bummed. I'm not going to lie. I'm bummed. So how's that going to be, you know, how are you going to keep in touch with the community when we don't get to have that? That's true in every aspect of our life right now, right? All our, just our social circles and how they've evolved and how so much of it's digital today and how interactions out in the public sphere are just strange with the, with the masks and everything. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're going into like, I guess it's the third season of COVID, right? It's the fall and HCIC is always a big part of my fall. You know, I'm usually starting to think about what am I going to present? What am I going to do? Who am I going to see? Who do I want to talk to? You know, and uh, I miss it. That's for sure. But, you know, I think some of the great things are podcasts like this that are bringing people together, right? I actually have more time to watch content like this. In fact, I just said watch, which says enough because usually I'm listening in the car, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of fitting it in and, and during those commutes. But, you know, now during little parts of my day, I, I'm on LinkedIn a little more. I'm on Twitter. I see this kind of content and get to interact. So, you know, that's been huge. And uh, I imagine I'll approach the conference the same way. I mean, anything that people are sharing, I want to see it. And anyway, I'm asked to help out and participate. I want to do it. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G-Site is for you. G-Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. 
It's a suite of solutions, including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash gsite to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. That attitude will get you far. I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's not just like, a, well, too bad. You know, there's not any way I'm interested in engaging. That's why I hear out of your voice is, is definitely this desire to stay connected and engaged with people. There's a lot of value to it. You know, before we even dive into kind of how, how things have been going for you and your team, because that's what I want to hear. You know, I want to just hear, you know, how, what's the state of the state? You know, how are you planning for the rest of the year? What victories can you celebrate? And we'll dive into all that. You know, I, I just... I keep thinking back at, at this whole part of, uh, you know, first and foremost, I, I got to give a hat tip to all the conference organizers who are, uh, who are making things work virtually, you know, with virtual yeah. versions of their conferences, finding new ways to engage in between. And yes, we're all going to miss it. Like next year is going to be a big deal. Like we're, we're going to be so excited, you know, knock on wood, uh, whatever we have to do to be able to resume regular conferences next year. We sure hope that's, that's how things work. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a bummer. And yet I find the same thing in that there's more time. Like I'm not on a commute either now. I haven't been now for a little while. And I do find myself with more time. And I think it's what's driving that is is this desire to stay connected. So whatever that's worth, it's, it's great to hear that as well. Yeah, it's great. I tend to not be great about reaching out to people. So I'm very appreciative of the fact that you reached out to me. And I've had a lot of people from the HCIC crowd who at different phases have just reached out, usually just ask, you know, how am I doing? What are you up to? Hanging in there. Um, and sometimes it's because they have a particular problem and they're just like, look, I want to, I like, I saw this. I think you're working on the same problem. I like what you did. Or are you thinking about it? And um, those kinds of interactions are just so important for all of us right now, probably more than ever. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. I think now more than ever yeah. for real. Well, tell you what, let's let's go and dive into our rap battle because this is where we're going to really dive in and, and just hear how things are going for you. Rap battle. Rap battle is where uh, we challenge the status quo. Mm-hmm. We just say, look, healthcare has been marketed a certain way for so long. We've invested in the technology. We digital the way we engage digitally has been a certain way for so long, and we all know we're trying to evolve it. And so, part of that's actually thinking about it in terms of challenging the status quo, challenging the way it's been done. And it feels like we have finally, at last, over the last you know couple of few years, gotten used to the different parts of the mix. So, our social media, our website, our other digital initiatives, our apps, if we have any all the different touch points and we're starting to to figure out the game plan of how they all work together but at the core of that is understanding what's actually being asked like what the business strategy is and understanding kind of using a lens to look at at that and translating from the senior level down as well as translating from your team up helping both sides understand and 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 find some shared goals so i'm very curious how that process has been going this year and how you're looking ahead 
to the future, yeah. how do you even plan for the, the rest of the year? That's a big question. And it's, I mean, uh, coronavirus, the pandemic, it kind of flipped a lot of things on its ear, right? But I think the, the big things that changed for us, I mean, you know, we're in a big rebuild. We have a new senior vice president. We've had other leaders change over the last few years. So there's a lot of reorienting our department and the internet strategy team around the business objectives of the health system and the school of medicine. I think if I look at, I guess the, the pandemic in and of itself, what's the biggest win? I think I know I've gained a greater appreciation for my communication colleagues, my PR colleagues, the editorial team, as well as people in operations, people on the Epic team, right? People in access services, translation services. I think that combined with, I think I'll say use of data, use of information are two big things that I really hope stick with us. This desire to collaborate, the desire to work with the information you have at the time and move quickly with it. Because we've, I have never interacted with so many people, made faster decisions, worked to get so much out there so fast. And we've avoided what I think a lot of maybe healthcare and maybe other industries can suffer from in the kind of paralysis analysis, the always wanting one more piece of data, the, you know, maybe not wanting to build something unless you absolutely know it or write an article that way, unless you really know that's what your audience wants. And there wasn't, there was time to debate that, but it was kind of every day a little bit of, well, I think we need to address this, that, this, you know, what's important today. And I just gained so much respect for the different knowledge sets, the different challenges that people face, and our ability to kind of keep moving and serve our audiences to the best of our ability throughout this. So I, I hope we keep that going. Yeah, those are really good points that I don't think we hear enough about. Just the the understanding and appreciation for the other parts of the team that maybe aren't in our core team, but are very much related. The ones we interact with almost on a daily basis uh, that are that are related, and and sometimes we don't we don't credit them enough for all the interrelated parts of what's going on. Absolutely, and I think I mean being part of. You know, I always call our team the internet strategy team because I want to focus on what are we building for the enterprise? What are the tools that we're putting out there for everybody to use? What are the parts of our website or social platforms? What are the ways we distribute content and bring people in, right? But there's a reality. A lot of people think of us as the web team, right? And you can easily do a project and move on. And, you know, it's true for us just in terms of the workload and trying to support the enterprise, but it's true for others, right? And all the workload that they have. And this whole experience has been one so far where we're all, we've never been so aligned around one true goal and this one episode in time. And I hope that we kind of continue to, to move with that in mind and think about things strategically and tactically and get, getting them done. I hope so too. I, those are strides I'd like to see moving in that, keep going in that direction for sure. I think that those are important things to acknowledge and, and mention. And uh, I know, so you mentioned your rebuild, right? That's been going on for like a year and a half ish. So what, what all was already going on pre COVID and how have you had to redirect like, you know, the major, the major pieces you've been working on, how have you had to redirect them? 
Yeah. So it's interesting. So we had just launched all of our health content in a new user experience platform. Um, our health content is actually one of the, it's, it's about a thousand pages of uh, health content. It's conditions, it's FAQs, it's, you know, it's doctor interviews and dialogue. And it's about 10% of our website. Suddenly we had a massive increase in traffic where our coronavirus content was bringing in about 35% of our overall traffic on its own. So our biggest pivot was, I usually say with content, less is more. I want us to bring it together, present thing in a, things in a good hub of sorts. And that's how we approach the coronavirus content. But I wouldn't say, in this case, it wasn't a case where less is more. We really had to choose what information is most important to be communicated. What are we hearing in social, in the media? What are we hearing people want? What are we seeing people interact with on our website? And also coming to some understanding of what content doesn't exist in the health section, but is really critical for people to get to. So, so as an example... We really focused on rebuilding a new research related to coronavirus content area. And that's where you'll hear about the search for vaccines, right? Immune, immunity medicines and, you know, what's going on there with research. That's where a lot of that content that we know people want when they're doing deep research, but it doesn't quite coexist with our research that is or our content that's more about, you know, what is coronavirus? How do you wash your hands? And then the ramp up content, how do we keep you safe when you visit? Why should you not put off certain examinations? You need to do those now. But we strengthened all of the linking, all of the language, developed new calls to action. And it was interesting because we'd really just launched that health section. And the last portion of that project was to introduce new personalization techniques. That's really entirely new for us on the website. And it's not something that we're quite ready to go deep (laughs) with either. At the same time, we saw that there was an opportunity. All of a sudden, we have this massive amount of traffic. We saw that people were actually visiting more pages of content than they typically did. A typical visit for us is one to two pages of content. Now we're getting up into three being the norm, sometimes four pages in a visit. And that's just of information seekers, right? And we kind of said, well, what can we do with this? And how could we try and maintain that level of engagement? And so we started to look at matching up particular types of content Um, that we had as an example, we felt, all right, a lot of people are stressed. (laughs) Let's provide some personalization around mood and stress content. We already had content on practicing wellness while you're at home. We had content about stress exercises. In some cases, we pivoted that to focus on COVID. In other cases, we introduced that personalization and we know, and we led people to that content. And we also know in the future, we're always going to have those little content nuggets to provide to them. Similarly, you know, we've delved a bit into heart and vascular lung content. When we've seen people come in and search and find that type of content in our coronavirus content, 
we know that there must be an underlying reason to necessarily know what it is just yet, but we can present more links to that type of content today than we would have been able to six months ago. And so that's one of our transitions. Like I think historically we would have said, oh, somebody came and they read three or four heart and vascular type pages. So we want to serve them more of that kind of content. Now we're actually saying, well, wait, this is our coronavirus content, but it has all these different facets <laughs> to it. And how can we start to categorize it for a longer term and categorize the, those um, visits so that in the future we'll, we'll serve the people that kind of content? These are not easy processes to begin with. And, right. the, and so being able to not just completely put a halt to them, but to be able to have the space to add that much COVID content, for instance, to yeah. add that much, but to be able to shift to the, the strategy with it. I think that goes a long way with saying how all those pieces are, are fitting together and the challenge of none of these things being short, simple. Hey, all we have right. to do is deploy some new platform, some new point solution somewhere, and that's solved. That's not even close to beginning to describe the challenges involved. Right. And understanding all the different data that you could possibly <laughs> look at related to that. And for us in this realm, we're just kind of scratching the surface and we don't know where it's going to head. But you know, that we have similar projects I and mean, we're overhauling our CRM now as well. And we see that downstream there's opportunities to align around those personas, those business objectives that we're shaping there, the campaigns that we're building in new ways. And ultimately looking at our site and saying, how do we tie these experiences together to serve people at different points in their journey. That's fantastic to hear. Let's dive into data too a little bit more. Uh, how are you and your team thinking differently about data? Is it because of the pandemic? Is it because of the rebuild that's already going on? But what? how do you steer somebody to start thinking differently about data? I think it's difficult. I think the, the hardest thing for marketers, for executives, for anyone right now is just the large volume of data and the fact that Data creates more questions. You know, data create... It's People want to treat it like math, right? I think I'm lucky I was never a particularly strong math student. You know, it wasn't my top subject, right? So I'm not worried about matching it up perfectly. I can see that it's there to paint a picture, right? Web analytics has always existed to paint a picture and give you an understanding of where people are going on the site. But also I've known... You can play with architecture. You can page with, play with headers, right? You can do so much to shift those traffic patterns. So I think in this case, number one, I think the clearer the business objectives are that are coming from leadership, the greater of the opportunity. For us then, because we are in these, this foundational time with both our user experience platform, our CRM, even through this experience, we've built stronger connections to the Epic team where we've had to support each other in ways we wouldn't have thought of uh, maybe six months ago or that we had on a longer term roadmap, but suddenly we had to deal with today. When it comes back to the data, it's about first understanding our data and what we have, but also as, as an enterprise what data do we all need to be accessing and in what ways and how is that normalized? 
And so I think we have a period of heavy data normalization and efforts like that to align with business objectives and understanding of our audiences to serve them best. I think for everyone, that's just a learning, a huge learning process. Well, I like that, that you made that clear that this is not a simple process. This is a journey. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We're not going to get everyone to the exact same point and understanding how to use data. And by that point, the sources and the data itself will have shifted a lot again. So bringing everyone forward and understanding how to use their data is still a monumental task. And it's, it's one that isn't as clear as, as an implementation. Same thing as we were just talking about with, with the tech that's underlying all the efforts and all the strategy you're doing right now. It's not as simple as just turn on a new point solution and uh, implementation is good yeah. and, and we can check the box. It's like, no, it's, it's so, it is there. Like you said, data is there to tell a story. Yeah, but you can tell that story from a lot of different angles, right? Depending on your understanding of it, and I think that's why I keep coming back to that being the most important part: knowing what the data is for. Yeah, and I think that I had a mindset shift a few years ago, and that often, you know, because I was kind of I was parlaying between the team and the marketing department and our executives, and I was trying to think, how do I tell the story? right? How do I demonstrate value? How do I, how do I do those things? And a few years ago, as we started to think about how we were reshaping the web experience, and, and ultimately, I think the same mindset we're applying to our platforms today, is how do we use data to build trust? How do we use information about our audiences and you don't need that much, really. You can have a lot, right? You can go deep. But with very basic points of information, you can serve people content that is probably more relevant to them or give a call to action that best suits them. And doing that, you know, you look at this whole pandemic, healthcare institutions, our physicians, our frontline workers, uh, we probably have never had more trust, right? Than in a long time, we haven't had this much trust. And at the same time, you can lose it, right? And I think the web is one, has always been one basic component of building that trust. People, you have to try to find ways to give people what is most beneficial to them. And we can drive business objectives much more effectively with good data. But I think equally important, we can serve the community both locally and nationally, by good use of data, by focusing on just providing good information, introducing calls to action when it makes sense, right? Just taking those kinds of steps. You'll get tickled by this. Uh, I still remember four years ago, a little over four years ago, when I had you on the old podcast on Healthy Team Marketer. And I remember one of the things you said was that, was describing going into every meeting and that trust building process with data and that you weren't, having to hand them reams of it either back then. And, and it's great now to look back and see that there are a lot more systems that are at that stage and finally realizing that part. Because yeah. back then it was kind of revolutionary for you to say it, that like, right. look, all I got to do is bring a few data points into this meeting and people at least understand the perspective and realize I'm trying to tell them the story and then I'm not just trying to butt heads or just dig into them. It was, it was pretty revolutionary when you were 
first describing that to me, I like to look back and see that evolution of kind of our, some of our colleagues and peers and, and see at least there's some progress along this path. Yeah, we've, I think healthcare marketers underestimate themselves. I mean, you and I talked about 10 years ago, social media was the big thing, right? Look at just the things that we've tackled over the last 10 years and how you see healthcare systems, big and small, dealing with really complicated marketing technology and data platforms and tying them together and doing great things and creating much stronger experiences. I mean, when I look at peer institutions' websites today, I'm just blown away. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great content. There's a lot of great websites. And I think, you know, the reality is there's marketers all over this industry who have even bigger, better ideas that they're shaping for their institutions. No doubt. No doubt. Aaron, I want to give you a last take here, right? So uh, a chance to throw out there anything we haven't mentioned yet. Any, uh, anything else uh, that you've just observed or anything else you'd want to share with our colleagues in the field as we start to wrap this up? I feel like I'd be making a mistake if I didn't give a huge shout out to my team and to marketing, marketing and communications department as a whole, as well as Johns Hopkins in general. I mean, I think the last many months, however long it's been, have been some of the most trying for all of us. But my team and some others in our department were talking about coronavirus in January. And that's part of the reason we had so much success in building a foundation of content then that we were able to do the quality of work that we've done over these months. So just a shout out to them. Also, I think we're going into this new phase. It's the no normal, right? But it's a new phase. And we're all went through the months of 12, 14 hours, seven days a week, right? Just trying to get stuff out there. And now we're back to, and it was all COVID all the time. Now we're back to, we're all thinking about the future and we're taking on all kinds of different projects again. And I think the most important thing, again, is for us to think about what we learned from our peers, you know, our colleagues across our institutions and the value that they brought to the table that we maybe didn't realize was there or that we got to see in different ways. And just think about that with every project. It's sometimes easier on the big scale projects where you bring everyone into the room. But on a day-to-day tactical level, when you're just trying to get work done, you sometimes don't reach out. You don't think of it, right? So I hope we, I hope we maintain that more than anything. And then I think for us, and I think this is true across healthcare, just the desire for speed. <laughs> you know, I think we've all risen to the occasion and made fast decisions to serve, to serve the business, to serve the public, to serve so many communities. I don't quite want to maintain that same pace, but I hope we maintain the spirit of that. And I hope, you know, we keep operating with this understanding that less is more. Getting some, you can always learn if you get something out there fast. You can always adapt the web and improve it then based on the experiences and the feedback you're getting. But if it's sitting there as some, you know, unfinished project, you actually, you're just, you're just going to talk about it longer. So, you know, I hope we just 
throughout healthcare maintain that spirit of just trying to serve the public, trying to collaborate with others and trying to do it as efficiently and effectively as we can day to day. I hope so too. What a great way to kind of wrap all this up, Aaron. And I just want to say stay safe, stay well. Thanks for giving me a few minutes today and, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yes. Thank you, my friend. Good to talk to you. Hey, thanks to Aaron, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to be a part of the Marketing Forward movement by listening, subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. So go check it out at Shift.Health. It's podcasts and video series about shifting the way healthcare is experienced. So on behalf of Aaron and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thanks.